Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Hey, what's up, wrestling fans? We are back finally after a little bit of a hiatus because we just can't get our shit together. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast coming at you with episode number 106, I believe. That's what Ben told me. Could be right, could be wrong. I'm not sure, but he'll check it. And if it's wrong, we probably might do this again, but who knows? No, it's right. My name is Brandon Olinger. Join with me as always, my favorite wrestling chit-chat buddy. Number one fan, man. I don't even know what to say. You know, guy. You guys all know. All around ladies, ben, man. the Law Watson. Yeah, all around ladies, man. It's Ben. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the all around ladies, man, baby. What's going on, my man? It's good to be back. It is, man. And it's so funny. Like, we wanted to do a podcast so bad last week after, you know, more upsets occurred. We love talking about them upsets. But unfortunately, uh, Ben chose indoor golf league over podcasting. So I don't, I don't know. Hey. I don't know, man. I'm hurt. I'm a little disappointed. I'm only doing it for a little bit of time. Don't worry about it. All right. You know, last year you did it on a Thursday night. Now you take it. To, dude, on Monday's our podcast night. I know. You, you know what I was worried about, though? What? And I just totally forgot, and I'm glad I remembered, because um, it's been a little while. I was worried. I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? You know, we got Cliff Keen. But then I realized that we're going to be able to spend half this podcast with me reading reviews that were left. No. Oh. Because I promised I would read them. Man, and, and you know what? Like, I got to thinking about that. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for us because you did this. This is like... I'll shorten them. You love this stuff. It's almost like it strokes your ego, but we're not to the reviews yet. So anyway, oh. um, real quick, we're going to make this business stuff pretty pretty short and sweet. Um, it's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. You guys know it. If you're listening to this, you probably already know where to find it. But if you don't, look, we're on Apple Podcasts. Go out there. If you if you got that, maybe, maybe Google Play or SoundCloud, um, any place else, just go out there and Google it. You'll find us. Uh, we do appreciate if you subscribe to the podcast, um, download it when we try to put it out weekly, listen to it, and uh, if you like it, you know, give us a rate and review, even if you don't like it. Um, and one of the things that we do love to do more than anything is talk wrestling and engage on social media. So we do have a Twitter account. It's at the Inside Trip One. We got a Facebook page out there and an Instagram. It's the Inside Trip. And then, of course, feel free to send us an email to the Inside Trip One at gmail dot com. I'm not too happy with some of the hate mail we got lately, and I might have to uh, to make a little uh, promise here. You know, if Ben's going to read these reviews, I might have to start reading some of the some of the hate mail we That's get. That's right. You know, it, it, but it's fun. I like it. I the like player it. hitters ball, baby. It's just it's so funny how like upset people get about certain things sometimes. I know, especially things that we say. Like, why why do you care? Don't. Why do you care what we say? It literally has no bearing on anything. I don't think there's anybody in my world that cares what we say except for you and me. Yeah, literally. Like my wife, you care more about what I say than my wife does. And you know what? For that, I, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, so Ben made a, made a little promise, I guess, last week that, uh, for, I don't know, for the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. He loves stroking his wiener, reading these reviews. So he's going to go ahead and uh, boost his ego, make his head a little bigger than it is already, and uh, read some of these. I, I guess we got some rating reviews. I, I don't even pay attention to we them. We did. We got, we got some rating reviews, and I promised. Okay, read them out there. I made the promise that um, 
for uh, the next. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and listen. It's like two or three weeks. Yeah, I'll give you one more week until our next podcast. Um, any rate or any review that you leave, I will read on air, regardless of what you say. Literally, I will read it on air. Well, this is. I mean, honestly, I'm intrigued by this because Look, I haven't even gone out no, there and read them. The, I, I, I just don't even know how to do it. They're all very. They're all very nice. So, um, Gardner Wheeler. I well. love. I yes. love Gardner. Just uh, um, from Utah. Yeah, from Utah. Stat nerd. Yeah, I think he. I think he has a. Three um, D stats. Yeah, three D stats. He's got, stats. A, he's got a, a website, and he produces some ultimate stats, and, and not just stats in terms of like um, statistics that are you, like uh, wins and losses. Wins and losses. Like but really, he, he uses useful stats that he he he, he wants coaches to look at in terms of their wrestlers to know where they're uh, succeeding and where they need some work. It's almost like like if you watch ESPN and like it's like next gen stats. It is. is it, it is. And so he's also on Twitter. I believe it's uh look for three D stats I think it's on Twitter at gx w h e e l for his own personal Twitter. But look at three D stats. His, the tagline there is great for the sport of wrestling. Well, Gardner, that, that, I don't know about that. Uh, that's a that's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of hype to live up to. He, he said these guys are tremendous, best fanboys in the business, and glad they're doing what they do. Oh yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. They also talk about wrestling sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> smiley face. Well, thank you, Gardner. Oh no, hold on. <laughs> but wait, <laughs> all, all joking more. aside, these guys re-sparked my love for the sport of wrestling. And I've enjoyed going along with them on their journey from NCAA D1 wrestling into the international scene, women's wrestling, and some high school insights as well. Their insights and interviews with key players in the sport give coaches and fans a great resource to turn to. You know what? That is an amazing review. That is awesome, I, honestly. Whether he's lying or not, which is fine, because we plugged his shit, so it doesn't matter if he was lying. But no. It, to re-spark somebody's interest in re- wrestling, and I will tell you this, I will always take to heart, like, and really, like, it means a lot to me when people notice two things one the women's coverage that we've tried to provide even though listen we're not we're not saying we're the end all be all of women's coverage we're not we, an we just scratch the like bare crazy. the bare well, you, the surface you're kind of an expert in no it. I'm, I'm not, not so much i'm not but and then also um the interviews that we do because the interviews are one of my favorite things and I, I think we've been very fortunate enough to do some interviews with some some amazing people like dude honestly i, I was talking to somebody about this the other day ben I will tell my grandkids about the day we sat in Coach Glenn Lanham's office on the Duke University campus with Jacob Casper and Brennan Nelson. Yes. And just bullshit wrestling for, for two hours. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was I, – I mean, it's something that you don't think that you're going to be capable of doing when, you, when, when you're like, we're going to make a beer podcast about wrestling. And for us to be able to do this – It's it, a wine just, podcast. It, 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 well, yeah, we do do some wine. We're a little it, refined. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Gardner. We appreciate it. All right. What's next? Um, Jacob at, at Techfall Fantasy. Um, he, he's, oh uh, boy, he's, Jacob from yeah, Techfall. Yeah, um, he's the individual that does. Uh, um, he does a, a podcast uh, related to fantasy wrestling. Um, I've listened to a couple of them. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to listen to all of them. Although I do try to keep up on them, and um, he gives a wealth of insight into what he's passionate about, which is fantasy wrestling. And it couldn't come at a more perfect time with WrestleStat coming out with their own fantasy. Um, podcast or excuse me, fantasy wrestling platform. Uh, please give him a listen, especially if you want some good fantasy advice. And, and, and give his give his Twitter account a follow as well. I think it's at Techfall Wrestling or something like that, or Techfall Fantasy. Yeah, is that what it is? Look, Jacob, we've been communicating with you know through instant messages, DMs, and stuff for for, for a little while now. This guy has such a passion about the sport 
and fantasy wrestling and just in general, completely nice guy. Um, I've had the, ch- the pleasure of listening to some of his podcasts. And, you know, I'll tell you what, from a sound quality perspective, uh, the dude is already like he started out in the, the 10th grade when me and Ben started out like in um, pre-K. Well, yeah, basically in breastfeeding class. He says uh, they say fine wine gets better with age. Well, Ben and Brandon get better with fine wine. Woo, I like that. Well done. Really smart. Well done. These guys are the best podcast hosts, period. And he he spelled out period and then put a period there. Regardless of topic, on top of their great drunken connection, they are some of the most intellectual wrestling fans in the business. Although they are a little biased towards the Buckeyes, I don't necessarily think that um, as a, a, a bad thing. It shows their ability to produce great content while also being human being with normal bias. I listen to a number of wrestling podcasts and can honestly say that the Inside Trip is by far my favorite. I love that, with the exception of one thing. I'm just going to cut in right here. Guys, now get... I, I Granted, Ben is starting to go that way. We are Buckeye fans because we are in the state of Ohio. Biased... I'm not going to say we're biased because we will call a duck a duck when it comes to the right. Ohio State Buckeyes. And if I and, and if we do say we're biased, we'll call it out. We'll say, you know what, I might be a little biased, a little biased here, on this but, one, you know. But you know what... For the most part, though, I don't think we've ever made unrealistic predictions as it became the Buckeyes. No, we, we gave them the business. We give them the business sometimes. There was a podcast, what, a couple years ago that said they were going to have like seven national champs or something, eight national no, champs. Okay. I can't remember that. He said, on top of the outstanding content they produce weekly, they also are great people. While starting my podcast, they went out of their way to give my, me advice and genuinely cared about helping me get started. They are one of the main reasons I chose to start Techfall Podcast. Thanks, guys. Keep producing the best wrestling content in the business. Jacob of Techfall Fantasy. Well, Jacob, we really appreciate the kind words and look forward to seeing your growth um, with your fantasy wrestling content and your podcast. And I'll tell you what, like, all we're doing is paying it forward because when Ben and I got started, I mean, it wouldn't have been. We were inspired by the likes of Jason Bryant, by Blood Round, and those guys, um, Earl, when he was doing the Sudden History podcast. And yeah. honestly, each and every one of them gave us a lot of great advice and helped us. None of them so, big-timed us. Nope. So it's, it, it's all about paying yeah. it forward. And I'd love to, um, at some point, do a collaboration with Jacob. It's it's. But, and it, it's just so, it's hard for us to find time to do one podcast. Oh, we can do it. But, yeah, I'd love for us to do a collaboration. And one more. Uh, this is from Coach uh, Coach Rule, Rus- Coach Russell. You can't. R u l e s a l l. Oh, Nick Neighbors. <laughs> is it the bottom? He listed it. It's a great banner, great listen. What's better than listening to a lawyer and a guy with a bad back talk wrestling? <laughs> I haven't I love read this it. one yet. I love it. I haven't read this one yet. Forget attorney and a guy who who chased his, the guy who was the ambulance chaser. <laughs> Not me, they guys. Just two dudes who love wrestling and are better than average at talking about it. I appreciate I that. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know what? I'll, I'll take better than average. Yeah. He says, Ohio State homers, but Tom Ryan is a good dude, so I can't get over that. Or I can get over that. Always a great, entertaining listen. Cheers, boys. Uh, P.S. Go Little Rock Trojans. Love it. I love it. And you know what? Tom Ryan is a great guy, but I'll tell you what. He's been uh, starting to overcook my grits a little bit lately, but enough about that. So, and I know we're going a little long on this, but um, it's it's interesting that we, 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 we read these things, and um, it's actually our anniversary of our podcast. It is. We, st- uh, we started it in the 2017 uh, let's see. So it was the Cliff Keen tournament. Cliff Keen. Yeah, it was the year. All I remember is uh, Logan Massa just messed up Anthony Valencia that year. So that would have been his freshman year. So what is this, 19? 
21, 20, 19, 20, 18. I think yeah, we so were 17, 18. It would have been 17, 18, so it would have yeah. been 2017. Yeah. yeah. So this is the anniversary of our podcast, and um, we're going to get to some wrestling talk, but again, can't say it enough, man. It is literally the reason why we do this. I'm humbled by the freaking reviews, and and I'm not. It would have been 16. Okay. Three years. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an ego stroke to me. Um, it's it's and I know we joke about that, but it's I can't believe that there's people that actually listen to this and enjoy this, and that, that we spark somebody's interest, or that we 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 thought somebody else got into podcasting because of this. That's I amazing. don't want Ben to start crying again on the podcast, no, guys. I, but what a, Ben's basically saying is, is that thank you, we thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, thank you for following, thank you for engaging with us. And uh, as you said, Ben, this would be our anniversary podcast. We started the first one, uh, Cliff Keen. I think it was 2016, 2016-17 season of the Cliff Keen. Uh, we had talked about it for so long. We're like, yeah, whatever. And then one day, Ben just called me up and said, "I have a mic and something. Come over. We're going to record a podcast." So yep. here we are. It was the uh, it was very awful, but here we are. A few years later, getting to talk about Cliff Keen again that That's just right. happened this weekend. If you can find the first podcast of ours, we've kind of hidden it, but we've still left it out there a little bit just because oh, yeah. it's kind of like an Easter egg. If you can find the first one, if you can go back and listen to more than two minutes of it, <laughs> I applaud you. But anyways, thank you guys for all the great reviews. Um, and, and like I said, if you give us the worst review ever, I'm still going to read it on the podcast next week or the next time we do a podcast. Um, and um, that, that's the promise I made. But now. And then I'll probably sue you for libel or slander, so. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to sue you. What's better than a lawyer and a guy with a <laughs> Man, is that, is that what we've, is that literally what we've what we become? I love it, man. Uh, but hey, Ben. Cliff Keen. 125. Cliff no. Keen, dude. And I'll tell it? you what. You don't disappoint. This guy, I, I, we've said this so many times this year, and I'm going to continue to say it throughout the season, is that this year's college wrestling season is... It's weird, man. It's oh, yeah. weird. It's so hard to predict and project right now because it's just you've got so many guys that are that are wrestling well and and kind of like these young guys that are just blowing up right out the gate. You got these guys that have been really good the last few years, but then kind of been kind of somebody else's shadow in some of these weight classes that have kind of cleared out because those guys are taking some red shirts, some Olympic red shirts, and then you got new guys coming in. You've got you, you got know what we got. What do we got? We got some weird-ass shit going on where these dudes were just, like, average for three years or two years. And all of a sudden, they're just lighting the world on fire. Right. That's the weird thing. weight class changes. Right. I mean, some of these guys have changed weight classes, and they're having great success. So it's like, I don't know, dude. What stood out to you the most about this Cliff Keen? Honestly, like, kind of like in a nutshell. That, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Okay, so, so I, won't, I won't give an exact performance at this at, at this. No, no, time. but just, like, what in general? Yeah, um... There was a lot of people that I thought that were going to do really well that didn't, and there was a lot of people that I um, maybe wasn't weren't so high on that really battled back in the uh, on, in the um, in the con- in the consolation bracket and did really well and have set themselves up nice. You know, we always think when you look at some of these guys, like when is the bubble going to burst? When's the balloon going to pop? And some of these dudes, because because they're having this good success early on, and you're like, well, this dude ain't that good though. Like we've got data to prove that he's not that good. And all of a sudden, he just, they just keep winning. And that's some of the surprising stuff. And none other than – so I'll give you, you one. You know ex- a classic example yeah, of that, Ben? And, and, I mean, I, I don't – we don't have to talk about this later, but a classic example of that is – did not happen at Cliff Keen, but just in general in college wrestling this year is this weekend. Dresden Simon from Central yeah. Michigan well, – like who? Yeah, from Central Michigan. 
laid it on all American Kyle shoot, beat him like eighteen to six in a duel. All right, was you can't a, pick that. You can't pick that. Dresden Simon, I don't think has ever qualified for the NCAA's. I was looking this up he earlier. He barely has a a a, a five hundred or better record. Um, he's bounced back and forth from weight classes. I think one forty one, one forty nine, maybe one fifty seven. I can't remember. And here he is. No, forty nine, fifty seven. Here he is. I think he's at one forty one. Right. Yeah, 141. Yeah, he's at 141. 141 he, he's be, no, he went 41 as a freshman, a red shirt. 33, 49, 41. 49, 41. And so... And, Sounds like a team guy, right? And almost like, if you look at his his statistics and his wins and losses, I mean, from a, from a D1 college wrestling perspective, and I don't mean this with any insult, he's been a very, um, you know, average, average wrestler. Average wrestler. And Which here, is amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's better than right. the majority of us can ever say we are. But And then he goes out, and he just straight... I mean, lays a beating, throws a beating at Kyle Shoup this weekend. You don't, you you couldn't pre- predict that kind it's, of stuff. It's, it's hard to predict it, but he is having a nice season. He's twelve and he four. He, he's beating a guy like Corey Shee. He's beating a guy like um, uh, Drew Matten. Um, you know, and, and he's beating a guy like Dylan Duncan. So he's got he's got some good wins. Yeah, he got three wins that are, uh, I'd say, above average wins. Uh, Luke Pletcher did beat him nineteen to nine. Nick Lee beat him eleven to five. We'll get into that later about who we're favoring. But um, Dresden Simon, you're exactly right. That's what I mean. Who? Right. So I didn't mean to cut you off about Cliff Keen, but that when you said that, that just popped into my head like, no. you can't predict that stuff. And then on the opposite end, I tell you what, um, you know, I don't know what Utah Valley was thinking. They pulled Taylor Lamont's red shirt, thinking, like, maybe we've got a shot to maybe make some noise here. And I think he went uh, to a barbecue? Well... Did he go barbecue? He had did a rough tournament. He did have a rough tournament. He went you know, to a barbecue. He's at 133. I'm not sure it was them pulling his red shirt or him saying... I'm just coming. I'm just gonna go get out of my Olympic red shirt. I mean, this wasn't a regular red shirt. It was a lot. It was shirt. an Olympic red shirt. Yeah. yeah. So, so people that don't don't, don't know Taylor Lamont, he wrestles uh, 133 pounds for Utah Valley University. Um, if you don't know him, you could look at his hit list from his freshman year. Multiple time Greco pounds. age group world team right. member, and I even think maybe even a medalist. Yeah. Or at least yeah, I know he finished fifth once. But his hit list at 125 pounds was. Amazing. He won Cliff Keen that year when he beat Ethan Lezak in the finals uh, as a freshman. Did he win it? Yes, he won that. I'm almost positive he won Cliff Keen as a freshman. Um, I think he ran through Sean Russell. Um, I know it was Ethan Lezak. A couple of good guys he beat to win that. And then he won an NCAAs with a great record. 7-8 seed. 7-8 seed right there. No, 7-10. Who wrestles first round? Second round. 7-10. It was Sebastian Rivera, Taylor Lamont as freshman at 125 pounds. Met in the second round of the match. Lamont actually beat Rivera there. I think you're right. Lamont beat Rivera, and then Rivera came back and beat him on the backside, I think, in the round of 12, maybe, to All-American? He did beat Sebastian Rivera. And yeah. then he, no, then he lost to Tomasello and Zeke Moise. That's what it was. He, it, lost, them, he lost in the um, in the round of 12. Right, and, and then Moise. Rivera ended up coming back right. in, in an All-American that year. So Lamont had fantastic wins, and I know he won Cliff Keen. His hit list, yeah, his hit list was gnarly. Um, Cliff Keen, he won it, beating Sean Russell, Drew Matten, Connor Schramm, and Ethan Lezak. Ethan Lezak. Yeah. That's a hell of a flipping tournament for a freshman, 125-pounder. But, yeah, he goes 0-2 this weekend. Yeah, I think that when when, when – because Utah Valley's got a decent squad this year. And when, and when they pulled him, I think they were expecting a little bit more. So he his first match was against Seth Gross. And keep he goes out and he gets majored. And keep in mind, he's he's fighting injuries, dude. I mean, he's he's fighting injuries this year. Well, yeah, he was he missed last year with an injury, right? He redshirted, wrestled, uh, injured, and then wrestled. And he's 1-3 right now with um, – his only win being Zach uh, Price from South Dakota State. 
Yeah, you know, I think, look, this he didn't have a great tournament this weekend, obviously going 0-2. I don't know why, but it, I'm going to continue to say this, Ben. That's why it just goes to show that this season we're going to see some stuff that we absolutely That's did not expect about. to see this year, and it's going to happen all year long, and it's definitely going to happen in March. Okay, so I guess... But see, to- speaking of 133, one of the guys that you thought really stood out was a guy from Nebraska. Nebraska, by the way, walked away with the team championship after I think Ohio State's taken it home the last few years. Right? Ridge Lovett had a really nice tournament That's in this exactly weight class. Right. What, what was he, a runner-up? Third place? Third, third place. Third. Took third place. Um, I will tell you, Ben, I, usually the past few years, or at least the past five or six years, 133 pounds has been one of the deepest weight class in the NCAAs. Um, this... Even at Cliff Keen, I mean, we've seen weight classes in the past when you had DeSanto, Michich, Pletcher, and so on. Those were some very gnarly weight classes here. It's a little down this year, in my opinion, especially at Cliff Keen. You had, you know, Chaz Tucker from Cornell, your one seed, who eventually won this over Montori Bridges. Um, Was Bridges, like, one of the only All-Americans? I think he might have been the only All-American. He might have been. Yeah, I think you're right. I do think you're right. Um, Bridge love it. I like him. I like him a lot. Um, I think that um, he, you know, his only loss was to Montori Bridges, who ended up finishing second. Um, Actually, be Lamont in the first round, six yes. to one. I think that Ridge Lovett is going to be one, one of the catalysts that assists Nebraska's team. So let's talk about Nebraska's team, right? They, they won it. They they, they won the um, uh, Cliff Keen this year. I, I feel like they have a solid guy at most weights. Now, you know what that does for you? That gives you a really good chance of. Of getting, uh, I think that what it does is it gives you a really good chance of getting uh, a trophy. You need to have all Americans, though. It does, and, and you are right. You absolutely need to have all Americans. And here's the thing with Nebraska. Can we go through their lineup? Yeah, if we're going to go through this through their lineup, look, they've got an extremely high recruit that they're starting at 125. It's Thompson. It's Little Thompson. Alex Thompson. His brother wrestles 149 for Northern Iowa. He's an Iowa kid. Um, obviously has tons of potential. He's wrestling at 125. Up and down season. He, I think he's beaten um, Schwarm, and he's gotten beat by Schwarm. You know, he, he, he's, he's, not a t- he's not an All-American threat, I don't think, this year. Um, right, as of right now, no, but 125 is a little thin this year. Ooh, okay, 125 okay. is a little thin this year, and anything can happen. you got a lot of young guys in that weight class, especially after the top three, four, five guys. Right. And honestly, after the top, what, two, maybe three it drops off a bit in accolades. Obviously, Spencer Lee. Obviously, Jack Mueller. Um, you know, now with Sebastian Rivera up at 133. Um, it it kind of drops off a bit, and you're looking at guys, you know, like it's Spencer Lee, Mueller, Pat Glory, Nick Piccinini, Rayvon Foley, and then it takes a nice drop after that to guys like She's Schroeder. It's right for the pagan. I'm saying we're going to see some guys get on that podium that have never been sure. on that podium or we didn't expect to. I don't think it's going to be Alex Thompson. But the next guy, Ridge Lovett, I think has a chance. Currently, he's ranked twelfth, um, big time recruit. Um, he's, I'm telling you what, I was really impressed with the way he scrapped. One of the best matches of the entire tournament, in my opinion, was um, I think it was his quarterfinal um, when he beat uh, Louis Hayes eight to seven. Louis Hayes, who is a name, you know, mm-hmm. solid guy, um, didn't place in the tournament. But I tell you what, that was an that was when I knew Ridge Lovett was for real. Louis Hayes came out on a fire his freshman year at 125 pounds, did really well. Um, a, a, a lot of talk about he could possibly get on that podium that year. He just did not have a good NCAA tournament. Last year started out at 125, was struggling greatly. Maybe it was the weight cut. Who knows? Obviously, Jack Mueller gets pulled. Um, Hayes bumps up to 133 and does not have a great season after that. I mean, it was a very uh, uh, 
unspectacular season. Um, but then you get to 141, and you got the— There you, you know, go. You got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right here in Chad Red. You know, a guy that goes out and, and, and pins a guy like Tariq Wilson in, in 30 seconds at this time. Oh, tournament. and it was—I tell you what. He got in on a freaking leg, and Tariq draped his head. And, he, and, and that's the thing with Red. If you give him an opening, he's going to go for it. You can't be one of those guys that, look, we all know where you can put yourself in a vulnerable position because you, you realize, I'm in kind of a vulnerable position, but there's no way this dude's going for it. Right. Right? Right. With Red, you put yourself, you, you, you dip that head for a second. Dude, he locked it up. And not only did he lock it up, he didn't do what freaking Frank Baxter would, would have taught us to do, or my old high school coach, and drive it over. Don't ever roll through it. That's what Frank would have said. Red goes oppo, roll through, traps the arm, sticks him in thirty seconds, gets upset. What up? What up? What up? And then he, but then I'll he, tell you what's up. But then he goes and he loses the Ian Parker five to three. Right. Well, I mean, he, he gets molly whopped by uh, Luke Pletcher after that. Oh my god, okay. it was ugly. And we'll get onto Pletcher in a little bro. bit. but but you're right, bro. I mean, in high school they had some hell. Of, they had some really good matches. One of the best rivalries in high school. You know, cross state. It was always close. Yeah, they had great matches. Chad Red, Luke Pletcher. I mean, amazing. I think they might have even wrestled at who's number one against each other. Luke Pletcher, when he was wrestling Chad Red, told him what he was going to do and did it. He was like, "I'm going to hit now. I'm going to hit my elbow pull high C with the, the angle knee drop. Now I'm going to hit my duck. Oh, you're going to shoot on me? I'll just let you know, if you shoot on me, I'm going to go misdirection one way to the other. I'm going to grab your leg and take you down. No, I agree. It was crazy. You know, but the thing about Chad Red, though, Ben, is look. You know, obviously he was a freshman two years ago. Got on the podium. He had a very, very mixed very Dean freshman get on the podium. Yeah, he, he had a very you know freshman like regular season up and down, and then gets out there, wrestles a good tournament, gets on the podium. A lot of people expecting big things from him last year, and his regular season was by all accounts pedestrian. Awful. Yeah, even, it was, even, it was even unspectacular. Unspectacular by in a lot of ways for him. For him. For him. And then he. For me, it would have been extremely spectacular. Oh yeah. But then he turns it on at the NCAA tournament, gets back on that podium. So I do think, look, you're going to see inconsistencies from him throughout the season, such as losing against a guy like he's Ian Parker. He's having the best year he's ever had. <laughs> I think that might be the first time he's lost to Ian Parker, though, Yeah, in college. That, that's a little think. concerning. No offense to Ian Parker, but you, you would expect that to be a, a match he was going to win. But, but what we're doing right now is we're trying to be high on Nebraska. So let's, let's get, But let's, then you get to 149, and you've got a guy like who is this dude? Colin Purinton, who – is moving his way up the rankings at 149. Look, this guy, this is only, he's a senior. He hasn't started since he was a redshirt freshman when he went 12 and 15. Sophomore and junior years did not start, went 15 and 5, 8 and 6, and now suddenly he's 9 and 3, and by all accounts having a great season, though he did, I mean, he did run into a rough little stretch at Cliff Keen with losses to Griffith Perriott, Jarrett Deegan, and Brock Zacherl. But he also did at Cliff Keen beat Josh Maruka and Russell Rolfing. Yeah, two good, two good wins right there. He's already and got a win over Max, Max Thompson, Thompson this year. I mean, yeah. so you know, if if he can keep this up throughout the year, they may have found themselves a nice little surprise there. He he he's a, he's he's that round of twelve fringe guy right now, right? Well, I'd say you know let's uh, let's uh, let's get let's qualify first. He's never done that before. <laughs> But the next guy, here's following the Ridge Lovett um, kind of uh, – th- this is what scares me about Nebraska. You know, they got the guys like Ridge Lovett, and then now you got a guy like Peyton Robb who – Freshman. Yeah, yeah, freshman. Super recruit. Yeah, big recruit. Really, Missouri guy? Uh, I don't know. Was he a Missouri guy? I don't know. You looked that up. Okay. Really nice redshirt season, but I tell you what, he's having a pretty damn good season uh, right here. He he did have a head-scratching loss at Cliff Keene to Jacob Wright, who's actually having a hell of a year. 
um, from Fresno State. Jacob Wright's probably one of their top dudes, to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. Jacob Wright is. Um, uh, let me pull this up here. No, I'm just trying to figure out exactly where he finished. Oh, I'm sorry. Peyton Rob's actually from Minnesota. My bad. Yeah, um, Peyton Rob. He ended up taking. Se- you're right. He ended up taking seventh. Um, Jacob Wright took fifth from Fresno State. That's a guy that we're not really talking about that we should be. Um, but so he he had that loss. He was undefeated before he came to Cliff Keen, and he lost to Hayden Hidley in a barn burner three to two, where both had some nice exchanges. Yeah, I'm not going to say that it wasn't one of those three to twos where you like knew Hidley was in control, but it also wasn't. I'm not going to go go out and say that Peyton Rob like was like close to scoring, but it was a really nice match, and it showed me that I think that Peyton Rob could be an All American this year. I think so, but I, he's beating Jacory Teamer. But here's the thing: when it comes to Peyton Rob and we're going to speed this up through Nebraska here in just a second because you're getting ready to get in who their big guns are. But essentially, Peyton Robb is going to have to find ways in tournaments like this to to not be so so inconsistent and be, to be able to win consistently against these good guys. Right. Look, Hayden Hidley has a way to making – you know, you look at a box score and you see, oh, a 3-2 to two match with Hayden Hidley. That was close. Hayden Hidley has a way to make – may have waking, making 3-2 to two wins look pretty dominant right. because he's very hard to score and he's got great underhooks. But I don't and, think that was the case here. And that's what I wanted to make the the, 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 the – um, that's the point I wanted to make is that it wasn't that, that Peyton Robb really did push him. Caveat, Peyton Robb is on my fantasy team. I don't care. But he really did it have a way to matter. push him. Now, and ben, the next couple of weight classes, so, we're talking, this is where why I think that Nebraska is going to get a team trophy. And here's the thing, too. At the next 165, 174, 184, you guys got guys that are all capable of great things. Um, you know, and, and even 197, you know, with a guy like Eric Schultz, who we'll get to in a second. But at 165, you've got Isaiah White, two-time Division II national champ, was an All-American last year um, at 165. I think what, one-time Division II national champ. Oh, was, oh one, one time. Oh, that's he, right. And then he was like around a round of 12. Yeah, you're right. Guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, right you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, you're good, buddy. And then you know, at 174, Mikey Labriola, All-American last year. As a as a, red, as a freshman, and then Taylor Venz at 184, who failed to make the podium last year after finishing fourth as a freshman two years ago. But here's the thing. Let me talk about Isaiah White for just a second. Talk to me about Isaiah White, because I tell you what, this, him and Ethan Smith had a battle. Isaiah White, if you guys have watched his matches historically, it, it could, they, they can be very boring. I mean, Isaiah White um, does not take a lot of shots, but he's one of the toughest guys in the entire entire Division One college wrestling to score on. Um, but when he opens up his offense, he is super, super explosive. And this might have been, this tournament might have been the most offensive I've ever seen him be. And he looked really good. His shots looked so good, so explosive, and even better. Like, I think in the finals they did, right? In general. Yeah. What I saw, especially in the finals from Isaiah White, is Isaiah White loves taking that blast double. All right, He loves wrestling, banging on the head, opening up a little bit, taking that blast double. And he'll get in. He might not get in deep, but he'll get in. And a lot of times in years past, a guy like Josh Shields, who's so tough to score on and who is also so very good at short offense, sound, right? okay, would have capitalized on that. But Isaiah White did a great job of getting in on those – Taking that blast double shot, getting to the legs, but knowing he was extended and getting out of it. Getting out of it in an intelligent manner and keeping Shields from going behind. Isaiah White looked very, very good this weekend. And let me tell you, he has close matches with everybody. And even though he has never beaten the likes of a Vincenzo Joseph, I don't think he's beaten. Has he beaten Marinelli? No. I'm no. not sure. Um, I, I believe he may have beaten um, Evan Wick. You have to look that up for me before. I'm not quite sure. But in this weight class, in this weight class, with the way we've seen things happen, if Isaiah White can find a way to get 
a takedown against one of those guys to where he has a lead, Isaiah White is right there in the mix to place very high. He beat Evan Wick once. Once, right. He's never beaten Vincenzo, and I don't think he's ever beaten Marinelli. But they... I tell you what, the Shields win is impressive. It is very impressive. That's a guy that, you know, Isaiah White likes to capitalize on um, on reattacks, right? I, you, rarely do you see Isaiah White going out there, bang on the head, and take a double leg shot like the bull does, right? You see him countering on reattacks. And um, what he wasn't able to do in the semifinals against uh, Ethan Smith was really get get get, in, get his shots going. It sounds like against Shields, you know, he was kind of letting it fly a little more. And I, I'm not sure that I, – I know that he beat Wick once, but I'm not sure that, that Josh Shields' win isn't the best one he's had, the well, way that Shields is wrestling. He beat Wick once, but if I'm not mistaken, it was last year's match when Isaiah White was winning and he chose down against Evan Wick early in the season, right? And everybody yes, was like, why do, did. You, why do you go down? You, you're not going to do that. And there was this whole Twitter debate. Well, you got to get the feel. You got to do this. No, you don't. You put yourself in the best decision to win the match. I'm sorry. When you're one of the top guys in the country at 165 pounds, Division One college wrestling, you're not trying to see what your ability is underneath one of the top guys on top in that weight class. Put yourself in the best position to win because that's what you're going to do in the postseason. I totally forgot. And we've talked about this. Isaiah Wade also beat the shit out of Shields at uh, the Journeyman, 7-1. to one. Mm-hmm. He, he hit him for six. He did. He hit him for sex. You're yeah. right. But Isaiah White looked really good this year or this weekend, guys. And I, I, it's in my head and in my gut right now. I would not be surprised if he pushes for a spot in the finals this year. I think he, depending on brackets, depending on how he's wrestling, I think he's got a great shot. Just just knowing how he wrestles. I mean, he's undefeated right now, and he's been tested. Mm-hmm. But just knowing how he wrestles, it's hard for me to like get on that train. But you know what? If 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 I, if I didn't know him previously, and I just looked at him this year, yeah, I can get down with that. He's very difficult to score on, and if he can find a way to score to get to his offense a little more, like he did this weekend, I mean, he's got to he's got to solve the Vincenzo Joseph puzzle. That's for sure. Um, the the interesting thing is that all the top guys at one sixty five are in the same conference, so they're going to get to see each other multiple times. Same as last but, year, right? Yeah, we'll see what happens. One sixty five the past couple of years in. Uh, the Big Ten has just been amazing. And then, obviously, Labriola, 74. Taylor, Taylor Grant's 84. Eric Schultz, a guy who's previously taken Colin Moore to overtime, has always been yeah. a tough out. I see him getting on the podium this year, finally. I really do. Very weak 197 yeah. weight class. And then they have got Christian Lance, who's starting over David Jensen, who had a decent year last year, um, who's their starter. Um, you know, David Jensen was a guy that they thought potentially could be a um, – you know, an all-American candidate, and if if he's not their starter, then uh, you know he's he's got a shot. He didn't have quite the the Cliff Keen that I think that he probably would want. I'd say he's on the outside looking in right now in terms of all-American status. But uh, but I think that um, so let's wrap let's wrap up Nebraska. And I'm glad we talked about them because we normally don't get into that type of stuff. Going I see back them, to you, Nebraska getting a trophy. Um, I think they have a chance to get a trophy, Ben. But what they're lacking is the true surefire high point score right now. Right. Okay, that's see, a guy that's going to score bonus points and is going to make the finals and is the favorite to win the national championship. They're they're missing those guys, so it's going to take a truly a true team effort. Guys wrestling their best, getting multiple guys, you know, three, four, five guys on the podium with a couple of guys reaching that round sixteen, round mm-hmm. of twelve. I could see six All Americans from that. It's it's it, it is a legit possibility. I'm glad we talked about them because we we really don't don't do that often. So 
Let's get back into Cliff Keen, though, all right? Great tournament. Obviously, want to spend some more time talking about that. And I guess no better place to really start than at 125. You know, your champion, Jack Mueller from Virginia, um, has, a, has himself a, a pretty nice tournament this weekend and, a, and, and not the, the toughest of weight classes. You know, Jack, uh, he came out last year out of red shirt, basically Ooh. entered NCAAs, I think, undefeated, but he hadn't really wrestled anybody to NCAAs. Nobody thought he was making the finals based on the fact that, like, because it was all Spencer Lee, Sebastian Rivera, Nick Piccinini, right? Those I mean, guys. I thought he was because he was on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> but then he goes and he freaking molly. Five minutes and 30-something seconds against freaking Sebastian Rivera. Rivera. I mean, honestly, it, he, he, he made Sebastian Rivera say, I'm going to go to 133 this year. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't not. know if that's true. And I love Rivera. But then he goes and he wrestles a dude in the semifinals, another guy from Northwestern, who's not named Sebastian Rivera, who, to be honest with you, a lot of people didn't probably know much about. And, um, you know, I didn't really either until I watched that um, um, Matt on the Mound duel between Northwestern and Virginia Tech um, – a while back when he wrestled Prada, and um, he gave Mueller... Uh, Joey Prada, right? Yeah, he gave Mueller a really nice match. I know it was 3-0. Mueller did his thing. Um, I would expect... I was expecting a bigger score out of that match. He goes out, and I tell you the biggest thing, though, is he beats Devin Schroeder 6-2, but I'm not even... I think that Devin Schroeder put on a hell of a tournament. I like this kid. I like, I like Devin Schroeder to really cement himself um, at 125 pounds. Uh I, he's ranked sixth right now. I've got him as high as fourth right now in terms of, uh, 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 well, no, fifth. All right. I mean, look, look. Um, two things here that I'll comment on that before we kind of move on a little bit here. One, um, Mueller's match against DiAgostino. Look, I didn't watch the match, so I can't sit here and tell you like I know everything that happened, but yeah. this is what I will tell you. Um, and I do believe uh, it was. Uh, uh, ben Askren that would always say this: Look, if you can't score a point, you can't win a match. All right, and Great point. Jack Mueller won Great three point. to nothing, and it's you know uh, it's tough enough at that level, let alone to shut somebody out. So I don't know how it happened, but Mueller shut him out. So I am not going to look too much into that because well, when a guy has a score point on you, you can't yeah. win a match. Um, and when it comes to Devin Schroeder, look, I'm from Indiana originally. Um, I want to. I love seeing Purdue do well. They've got some really good guys. They got a great they got nice squad, don't they? Yes, and they had a fantastic Cliff Keen at this tournament. But listen, when it comes to uh, Devin Schroeder, um, all the talent in the world, he's got all the potential. But I, he's a senior this year, right? No, I think that he's uh, is he is he a junior? Yeah, he on. might be a, okay. So maybe he's a junior. But here's um, I need to see it first, Ben. That's it. That's where it comes to. I mean, you've got him. You got very high aspirations and hopes for him this year. Um, I think Devin Schroeder has shown some signs of flashes throughout his career, and then also some head scratchers as well. And it, I got to see it first, man. I need to see him. Um, I need to really see Devin Schroeder win big matches against big-time opponents on a consistent basis. Now, as we talked earlier, 125 is very young this year and a little cleared out, so anything is possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he went 2-2 two and two last year at the NCAA tournament, right? So he, he's on that level. He's 16-2 and two this year um, with, with, some, with some really nice ones. The biggest thing for him is he's got that equalizer. He's got that equalizer we all talk about. He's on top. He is a hammer on top, on top. You're with right. tilt. You're right. I mean, a freaking hammer. And um, he was he was able to give Devin Schroeder or Jack Mueller a match. Mueller was able to uh, seal it late with the takedown. I'm telling you, I was more impressed with Devin Schroeder than I was Jack Mueller. I know it's funny to say, but I was expecting a lot from Jack Mueller. I wanted to see where Devin Schroeder was. 
he proved to me right now that I think that he's definitely um, he's. I think that I would be shocked with the way he's wrestling right now if he does an AA. So, and I'm glad you said that because there's a guy in this weight class that I think will do can do big things at the end of the year. And I know Devin Schroeder beat him. And one thing I will, one thing I always take with a grain of salt at these big time in season tournaments like this is that once guys drop down in the consoles, anything kind of happens. You know, right? It, 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 it it's. It's not always indicative of who the better wrestler is, but I do think that Iowa State's 125 pounder um, Alex Mackle. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do big things this year and also challenge for a spot on that podium. Um, he's an Ohio guy. I believe he was a Saint, Ed, or I mean, a Walsh Jesuit guy. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Walsh. Former Rutgers wrestler that transferred out to uh, Iowa State. That's right. So I like Mackle to do big things this year. Um, 133. We kind of spent some time talking about. It was a very. Uh, um, not a very deep weight class like we've seen in previous years. Charles Tucker from Cornell was your number one seed. Um, Montori Bridges was the goes by Chaz. number two seed. Yeah, Chaz, whatever. Um, Tucker ultimately won the weight class. They seeded it pretty well except for Coots, Dylan Coots. Who the hell is that guy? I don't know. Do you think he's challenging Quinn Kenner for the spot, though? No. So. I mean, Jake, I don't. Jordan Decatur beat the hell out of him in a wrestle off, and then um, Jordan Decatur currently redshirting. Um, shout out to Dylan Coons, though. I mean, he did take the deep six, but he had some he had some nice wins. He beat Josh Kramer, and he beat uh, Trombley from, uh, I believe, uh, NC State. And um, so, uh, but all right, let's get to one forty one yeah, because this is probably the deepest weight class yeah, in the, the tournament. And I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you do your thing on this bracket because I know you watched a lot of these matches, but let's. Let's listen to the placers this, at this weight class real quick. Yes. Luke Pletcher, All-American. Mitch McKee, All-American. Dom Demas, All-American. Ian Parker, not an All-American, but he's got some great wins in his career. Chad Red, All-American. Michael Blackhaus. Blockhaus. Blockhaus, yeah. Blockhaus from you and I. Tariq Wilson, and then local favorite homegrown St. St. Paris boy, Mitch Moore. That's a deep, deep weight. Yeah, it, well, it's an extremely deep weight, and the fact that so I was giving um, uh, Earl from the Open Mat some shit because he the has, a, yeah, he has he has Luke Pletcher's uh, performance um, this this weekend rated as the number seventh performance, sixth or seventh, seventh, seventh performance of the week. Whoa. And I was like, Earl, Earl, dog, look, dog. I know I we know. talk him up all the time. You know what? I know. I'm going to be seeing Earl in just a few days because we're traveling to uh, Iron Man together. Me and him are going to be bunking we'll up. Give him some shit, and I'm going to give him some shit. But talk to us about this Luke, weight class, I mean, Luke man. Pletcher is the story. Luke Pletcher is the story because he's um, – we, we, we all know his story, right? Fourth two years in a row at 133 pounds. Never really an offensive guy. Didn't score a lot of points. Knew how to win close. Um, we didn't know what to expect. It, uh, Can I what, throw something in there? Yeah, go ahead. Fourth two years in a row after getting pulled out of red shirt Tough his freshman athlete. season to wrestle up away at 141, which everybody thought he was too small for – up and down throughout the season, up until the postseason, and had Anthony Ashnall on the ropes in the consolations with oh, the chance. In, in the cha- oh, in the championships. Champions. It was the quarters, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, maybe the quarters. It was the quarters, round. and he um, dropped down and lost to Gillibon. That's right. So and after that, 16. everybody thought, nah, 141, he's too small, he's too small. 133 the last couple of years does pretty well. But, and we, we've been talking about this lately, Ben, we've just been assuming that Luke Pletcher is just kind of a very defensive counter wrestler. Right. And this year, he goes up to 141, and you take it from here, my man. Oh, my goodness. Is he rolling? 
is he rolling? I mean, he he's had he's had a close match or two. He beat Dom Demas in overtime, and he beat Real Woods in overtime. Oh, he beat I, Dom Demas in overtime, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dom Demas, who took third last year or fourth last year in the country, Real Woods, who's a super freshman, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's yeah he's beat him. Tw- he's beat uh, both of those guys in overtime. Other than that, he's pretty much just blown through people. And I'm telling you right now. So uh, instead of just rattling off scores. Don't rattle off scores. Talk to me about something. Talk to me about what happened in these matches that impressed you. Oh, my God. I tell you what. So let's just just start it with Chad Red in the semifinals. After Chad Red pinned Tariq Wilson in the quarters in 30 seconds. I I mean, this is a hyped match, right? This is the match that all the pundits were saying, oh, my goodness. Maybe, you know, some were favoring Luke. A couple were favoring Chad. Tariq Wilson beat the shit out of him two years ago for third and fourth. Right. At the NCAA tournament. I mean, beat the shit out of him. He whipped him. Luke Pletcher goes out and puts a beating on Chad Red, eleven to three. And I tell you what, it wasn't even that close. It was, it was an embarrassment. I've never seen, I've never seen so much offense from Luke Pletcher from so many different positions. He scored from a single. He scored from a, a, a pull high crotch. He scored from short. His short offense is so crazy this year. I, I've never. It's good. I, I, it's good. I've never seen him have this type of short offense. And I think what's happening is that. I know he's only like 5'2", and I, he told us that on the podcast when we had him on. It's very short. Yeah, he's very short, so he's got short limbs. But I tell you what, his misdirection from um, from the short offense is killing people. People shoot in. It's so hard to get in on him because he's so short. Goes one way, and then goes back the yeah, other. He goes one way, he pulls the lat. I kind of mm-hmm. like the armpit of that guy. Bounces back to the other. And instead of just trying to get around and giving the guy the option to be able to raise his arm up and block that leg, he immediately goes to a leg. So he's going short offense to a leg. It's almost like a short offense to a shot, right? Which is the actual, the proper technique in these circumstances. And he gets the shot. So what happens is he gets in on a single leg when a guy's got two hands on the mat. I'll tell you what, that's pretty easy to finish. And he is just working people from short offense. If we just take it back one match, he took down... Cole Matten, who's ranked in the country by some individuals, he took down Cole Matten 13 times. Cole Matten from Michigan? Yeah. Took he, him down 13 he, times? He Drew Matten's him. brother? Yeah, he took the Tech him 26 to 11. So, Ben, and this isn't us being Ohio State homers at all. I mean, no. we'll be the first ones to admit that, one, two things. One, we were surprised when Pletcher went up to 141 this year. I, I, was, abs- I was surprised. I'll speak for myself. I was too. Um, and two... We are very surprised with not really the success he's having, but how he's having that success at this right. weight class. Because these guys, many of the times, are going to be head and shoulders taller than him, at least. Right. Okay, um, And he is just showing such a dynamic offense, great level changes, great misdirections, all that kind of stuff. He has, an, to both he has sides. an excellent high crotch where it's not a huge penetration step. It's an outside step. You know what I'm talking about? People teach that outside step high crotch. Instead of lowering your level and doing a, a duck walk, mm-hmm. you know, in its simplest sense, he pulls the elbow, big outside step to pull the guy over top of him, drops to his right knee into a high crotch position, and then the guy falls over top of him, and then he finishes it. Is it head inside? No, head outside. Oh, so it's not like a his only, it's not like a knee pull single. No, okay, right. okay. His only head out, his only head inside shots are off of uh, short O. He finishes double, so he's he's got open doubles, he's got head outside pull, and then he's got amazing short offense. Um, I tell you what, though, 
I never, you know, when he came on our podcast, he, you know, he was like, you, you know, we asked him, you know, about his success. Hey, you finished fourth in the country in a really tough weight. And he's like, he's not happy. And he's like, I'm not happy. He wasn't happy. And, and, and in my head, I'm like, bro, I mean, you're just not a national title. You guy. had the likes of Nick Suriano, right. Dayton Fix. Um, you know, Seth Gross was supposed to be right. at that way. I mean, it, it, you struggled with Roman Bravo Young right. throughout the season. And I was just thinking, he's just not a national championship guy. And you put him at 141, and I'm like, Ben, he's not gonna, he's not gonna win it. I'm like, he, you know, he's gonna all American again, but he's not gonna win it. I never put him as a national championship guy in my head. But I tell you what, after this weekend, I don't know how he doesn't win it. Honestly, okay, Ben. A couple things here. One, it shows how how easy it is to forget how great a guy like Luke Pletcher was coming into college. Three-time state champ from PA, four-time finalist, um, was in all the battles for, you know, the, you know, with the top guys in the country, beat, beat a lot of great people, was a big-time recruit coming to Ohio State. He wrestled state. in everything. He wrestled in everything. I think and, he beat Yanni <clears throat> Diakamahalas in uh, who's number one at one point. When Yanni was, like, in eighth grade? <laughs> I don't he, know. No, I'm was. asking, so, what, was he... No, they were. No. High, Yanni was high school. Okay. Um, oh, I guess he would have had to have been. Here's the thing, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit. When I was looking at this weight class at the beginning of the season, even after we found out that Pletcher was moving up to this weight, um, I honestly thought this was the year that Nick Lee took the big jump and it was his weight class to lose. Honestly. Yeah. I thought he had the style, the mindset. Uh, some of the top guys had cleared out. that you know, Yanni, right. Jay Nyerman, those type of guys had cleared out. So all he had to do was learn how to solve the Dom Demas inside trip riddle that, that really got him last year at NCAAs, and this was his class to lose. Over. And I'm sorry, I can't wait to see the battle between Pletcher and Nick Lee because – Pletcher's pace has improved this year with going up a weight. Now, is it on Nick Lee's level yet? No. Yes. I don't think so. Yes, it is. I'm going to disagree okay, with okay. you. I'm going to disagree Maybe with the you. pace isn't on his level. I'm talking but, pace. But his ability to slow Nick Lee down is still there. Yes. Ex- yeah, that's exactly Fine. where I was going. Yeah, Nick Lee takes an errant shot. Pletcher's going to score Pletcher's on going to he's going to make him pay for it. Yeah, and that's I love the, the diversity in attacks, both sides. It's so diverse. It's going to be an amazing match. I can't it's wait so to diverse. see it. so diverse. I tell you what, the Human Resources Department, at Ohio State is loving Luke Pletcher. Extremely diverse. Ooh, all right. Well played. Well played, young man. You know what I'm saying? I like that lawyer speak. Uh, 149, man. Um, I loved this weight class in this tournament, Ben. I loved it. Um, you know, you got the uh, the grizzled senior, Max Thompson, 1C, got on the podium as a freshman, I think round of 12 the last two years. And then you got guys like All-American Jared Deegan. You got a guy like Griffin Period, who's shown, had the ability to, to win big matches at 157. He's had a nice um, season. Brock yeah. Zacherl, who's you know been done everything he can but get on that podium. Um, Colin Purinton, the kind Purinton, of young stud yep. hanging out here. You got the two highly touted freshmen, super freshmen. This Greg is a Lee, freaking, Sammy uh, Sasso. What's it called? This is a freaking, um, what, what, what do they call that um, on TV? It's a soap opera. Ooh. 149 here was like a soap opera. You had all of these storylines, right? And then in addition to that, the and this is honest, the one guy that I looked at at the beginning of the season that I expected to make a jump, especially going up a weight, Yaya yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Because Yaha has all the potential in the world. Last year, I think his season was a was a major disappointment by from a lot of people's perspectives. They expected more out of him. It was a weight issue, right? It could have been. It could also have been a development issue as well. His ceiling Ooh. is so high. And in this weight class, which by all accounts was pretty deep, he finishes third behind the two super freshmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Griffin Perriott actually had really nice tournaments. I mean, if you look at Griffin Perriott, he beat Colin Perrington. He beat that soap star. And I mean that like as a soap opera. And, uh, and then he, and he also, Griffin Perriott beat uh, Max Thompson. 
Yaya beat Brock Zachro, uh, medical forfeit over Deegan, uh, but then goes out and beats Purinton 10 to 3. I mean, yeah, we can focus on Brayton Lee and Sammy Sasson. We'll get to that. But Yaya Thomas has really put himself in a position to say, hey, I'm here and I'm. This is, these are like mini NCAA tournaments, these brackets, right? Once you get to the consolation round of four and beyond, and once you get to the quarterfinals and beyond, they're mini NCAA brackets. And to be able to place third and fourth at this tournament means that you're definitely, in, in some weight classes, especially this one, you're definitely capable of getting on the podium at, at the NCAAs. You know what Brayton Lee and Sammy Sasso remind me of? Because with, with, people, this is starting to turn into a legit rivalry. Brayton Lee beat him for the rural team spot this summer, all right? Sasso beat him at the, um, the trials. Sasso beat him at the trials. And then, now this right here. You know what this reminds me of? Schlatter and Metcalf in high school. Oh. Honestly, it, it does. Interesting. It, it really, I know it's high school, but this yeah. is starting to remind me of Dustin yeah. Schlater and Metcalf, Brett Metcalf in high school. Always a battle. When they went back, always a battle. And we're going to see so much more of this battle. And who's Schlatter, who's Metcalf? Um, right now. I think Brayton Lee's Metcalf right now. That's a great question. Um, I think based off of the limited results we'd have, you'd kind of have to say that. Yeah. Now, Schlater did go out and win a national championship as a freshman for Minnesota uh, when when Metcalf had to take that, majored that, that red shirt. I think that was the year that Metcalf <laughs> oh had to take that God. red shirt because yeah. of the transfer and stuff like that. Um, oh, my God. That's... But what, right now, what is it with Brayton Lee? Why does Brayton Lee have Sasso's number right now? Because he kind of does. It's weird because yeah, Brayton Lee. Brayton Lee went out last week, and I think he lost to Bulu Wallen, and it wasn't really. I think it was like eight to three. Um, and so, look, we're, we're thinking Sasso's the man here, and you know, Brayton Lee did win the world team spot, but it's going to be Sasso. Sasso had a nice tournament. It's unfortunate that he didn't get to wrestle Deegan because that was a. I think I thought that Sasso versus Deegan would have been a really nice, um, a really nice uh, yardstick. Against a, against an All American who's really funky, just like really him. tough to wrestle because he's extremely tall. Yeah, and and I really I posted this on Twitter and and obviously we don't we would never lie about this. I hope Deegan's okay because he's one of my favorite. Wrestlers I love watching. To watch. No, and who, in a, who doesn't love watching Jared Deegan wrestle? Exactly. In in a weight class like this this year, like this is one. This is the weight class where. We don't know who's going to win this weight this year. We can't even say who the favorite is Austin right O'Connor now. Austin O'Connor ain't even back yet from his broken arm. Exactly. And I'm telling you, any number of guys throughout the top 10, 12, is, I think this is the weight class where we're going to see a guy win it. We're like, whoa. Or, or two guys in the finals, we're like, whoa, never saw that coming. Well, it's I, who's going to be hot. Who's going to get hot? Brock Mahler, Brayton Lee. I, I tell you what, give me Brayton Lee right now about anybody. I've never seen a dude just go out there and beat on somebody like – Brayton Lee, I know it was close. Brayton Lee put a hurting on Sasso. It was six four, but it wasn't six four. I mean, Sasso, I think scored. I think scored at the end. Brayton Lee put it to him, and not only did he beat him in points, but he dictated the pace. And his hand fight was great. He did those types of snaps that a lot of people hit, where it's like, not like, a lot of people teach hand fighting wrong, where they're like, go out there and just like bang on the head. No, you've got to pull. You pull all the way. Until that dude's head literally hits the mat or until that dude's hands literally hit the mat. He was out there just pulling on Sasso's freaking head, snapping him down. He made Sasso look out of sorts. Okay, Sasso was never capable. Sasso's limited in offense anyways right now. And I think that, I think that if, you, if, you, if you disagree with that, then you probably haven't watched him a lot. 
Sasso's offense is pretty limited to the fact that he really likes to engage you in scrambles and really and beat you there. It's funky. Yeah, Brayton Lee finished his shots really, really fast. Brayton Lee didn't give Sasso a chance to engage in, in, in his, his, his theatrics of, of what he normally does. He just went out there, and he beat him in almost like an Iowa-style way and um, of just, I'm going to bang on your head. I'm going to do some huge snaps, and I'm going to live on your legs. And he lived on his legs. Sass- Sasso defended, I'd say, I'd say five shots at least where Brayton Lee wasn't able to take him down. Because once you get on Sasso's legs, that's when you really got to start fighting. I mean, that's, he, it, it doesn't even start until right. you get to his legs. And he got to his legs a bunch and didn't finish a bunch. But what he was a capable of doing was finishing just enough. And I tell you what, based on that match, Ohio State has a really – they're going to have to go back to the drawing board because there's nothing I saw in that match that makes me believe that Sasso can beat Brayton Lee. Okay, well – In that match. In that match. In that match. Sasso's beaten him before, and he can. Freestyle. Now, the thing, and I think maybe folk back in high school. I think the difference between Sasso and Brayton Lee right now is Brayton Lee's style is a little more refined and uh, technically sound. All right, it's, it's it's probably a little more um, conventional. He's got more to okay? offer. Conventional more to offer. Yes, but, but this is where you think Brayton Lee's the favorite right now, and I'm going to tell you this is where I'm going to disagree. Well, Brock Maul is my favorite. Okay, well, this is where I'm going to disagree with you right now. Um, one. Brayton Lee could very well win it. Sammy Sasso could very well win it. Um, these freshmen are going to have to learn how to put it together this entire year. It's a long season. Give me a healthy, healthy Bula Wallen at the oh, end of the year. Boo. Give me a healthy Bula Wallen, okay? Finished eighth a few years ago, all right? He, all the talent in the world. It's one last chance for Oklahoma State, minus any you know medical hardships. But they're, they're passing them out like candy these days. Can Give me a, a healthy Bula Wallen. Are you scared? Scared of. Not boo. boo. <laughs> no, try better. Yes! Try harder. Try harder. How did you get my joke? Because, Ben, you come knew on. That was coming. I knew that was coming. Look at me, my eyeballs. You knew that was coming. You asked me if I was scared. What would I be scared about? Boo. boo. Um, I love Brock Mahler and I love his style. Okay. He kind of fell apart at NCAA's last this year. This is a fun weight. It's this is the weight I that like you just weight. don't know. But give me a healthy Bulu Wallen as the favorite coming into the season. And his win over Brayton Lee, very, very impressive, man. Extremely impressive. Yeah, that's that's the thing. We're, we're all we're all on Brayton Lee right now, but we, we forget that Boo just beat him. Exactly. Beat him up. It, it, exactly. And, and, and Bulu Wallen himself, and I, obviously we're getting off of the Cliff Keen a little bit no, here. Oh, let's get but, it. But, you know, Boo Wallen and his... <laughs> Of the Cliff King. I can't stand you. Of the Cliff King. Of the Cliff King. Bulu Wallen has had such big wins throughout his career. Look, 2018, he just got hurt. I mean, at the end of the year, he was not feeling it. Was hurt last year. Couldn't complete the season. But this guy I love how he said he's not feeling it. He he, he wasn't feeling it then. He wasn't feeling it. He was was like, I'm going to take this this time off here. Go back and look through the wins that he's had throughout his college career. Give me some of them. Big wins. And that's my favorite right now. Healthy Boo. Healthy boo. Oh, oh, I need my boo to be healthy. You, you're going healthy boo. We need over, boo without boo-boos. You're going healthy boo over <laughs> Brock Mahler? I am. But then we just forget about Austin O'Connor because he's got a broken arm. No, I'm going to see that Austin O'Connor. Look, get on the match. That Can you get on the match? Can you get on the match? Have you ever heard of a cast? Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw guys all American with neck braces. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you, He's got a cast on his arm. When he gets it off, 
Earl got him ranked, ranked one in the zero and zero record. Well, everybody does still. I know, I know. But you know, Brock I'm, Mahler. I'm not. I'm just. Let me give some Earl some shit. Brock Mahler came out of nowhere last year, had an amazing season, filling in for Grant Leith when he went out with that early season injury. Brock Mahler, American, true, took, true sophomore, took sixth place. Not the most impressive NCAA's, um, but he had some big wins throughout the year. Uh, no, give me Boo, healthy Boo, right now, healthy Boo. Let's go to 157. The you over Patricio, huh? Dude, right. he, it took him freaking overtime aye, to aye. beat uh, freaking D'Angelo this weekend. Aye. And I'm not talking about the singer D'Angelo. <laughs> 157. This is my weight right here. Woo! All right, you take it away, baby. We did our preseason NCAA picks about a month ago, and I know I did. I'm pretty sure you did. We both picked Deacon to win this weight. We both did. Even and though Young had beaten him. Young. Man, well, we look smart as shit right now. Young. Got the best of him twice at NCAAs last year. And I remember... I'm getting a beer. You need anything? We did... Yeah, go ahead. We did our fantasy wrestling draft, and you were shocked when I picked Deacon over Caleb Young. And I said... Because I picked Young right afterwards. I said, because I think Deacon, ha- Deacon, he is... He's such a well-rounded wrestler in all three positions that he... Ha- this is his season. This is absolutely his season. But I was nervous going into this tournament because you just saw David Carr... Just lay it on Caleb Young before this. Hidley, we know how good he is. You got guys in this bracket like this, you know, this up-and-coming guy from Purdue, a little guy named you know, Coleman, Kendall Coleman. Yeah, huge, huge freshman. He's a bad dude. Other guys, what, Ja'Cory Teamer? Come on, who, who else was in this? Name, name them off. Peyton Robb. Peyton Robb. Justin Thomas from Oklahoma, who actually – who the hell did Justin Thomas beat? Hold on. That's not what we're doing right now. No, you keep, you keep talking. I got to figure out who the hell Justin Thomas beat because it was a – here, here's your placers in this weight. Ryan Deacon, All-American. Hayden Hidley, two-time All-American. David Carr, world champ, freshman. Kendall Coleman, freshman. Jacob Wright, Fresno State. You talked about him. Oh. Justin Thomas, Oklahoma. It was, it was Justin Thomas lost 6-5 to five to David Carr in a really battle. That's, that's where I was impressed. Justin Thomas is a big recruit. I believe yeah. he's from California. I, I watched that match. That, that's where I watched, and I was like, oh, shit, this Justin Thomas guy is legit. And then you got Peyton Robb, Ja'Cory Teamer rounding out your, your placers here. and That's a nice weight. So that's a nice way. I was so, so, so excited for this David Carr Ryan Deacon match. I thought it was going to be a battle, an absolute battle. It was ugly. Bro. It was anything but a battle. Hey, that was, bro, it was that was Big Brother. Ugly. That that basically showed you there is a difference right now between you coming in as a freshman and me, who's been grinding. Oh. I've won medals at the Worlds, too. I was a junior silver medalist as well. You may have won a world champ, but I was a silver medalist, Deacon. Well, I think that, I think there's some correlation between both semifinals, right? Oh, yeah. You got the old guards and the young brothers. and Okay, that... Hidley shutting down Coleman 8 to nothing. Deacon beating Carr. I thought that was going to be a close match, and I honestly thought if this match... Deacon got in on his single leg all day. That was the thing about Deacon this weekend. He got to his attacks, and he finished his attacks a lot. Right when he does that, which he did against Hidley in the finals, what he t- he take Hidley down twice, twice. Yeah, he, and honestly, his match against Hidley was even more impressive because Hidley had could nothing, had no answer to anything. Right. Beat him six to two, Carr nine to three. You want to talk about no answers though? That's what I mean. Carr and Coleman had no answers for these nothing these, these grizzled vets. Nothing. Coleman had nothing for Hidley. I mean, Coleman is a sexy pick. Everybody loves him. We know Kevin Klonch from Blood Round. He's like all up on him. He, he doesn't even want to believe. He's on his fantasy that, team. Yeah, that Coleman could lose, right? But and Coleman is, I mean, he his, is, he's the real deal. He's the, oh, the real deal. He shut him down. 
And Deacon, here's the thing. I thought Good the car. Man. I thought the car would be able to get to um, some attacks. He took him down late. If he wouldn't have took him down late, it would have been nine to one. I mean, or, or eight to one. I think. Cause I think Deacon got an escape. It was. I think it was riding time. Yeah, I have not seen. Not sure. I've not seen Deacon be this. Um, this He's this offensive. Yeah, this well rounded. Yes, offensive. This year, yeah. Right. We we always knew he was great on top. He wrote out Jason Knopf last year. Right. Okay. We for always the loss. Knew, yeah. Wrote him out for the right. loss. We always That's, knew he was great on top. We knew that he had some stuff on his feet. He never really put it together in terms of as as much as uh, as a guys, sophomore. Yeah, as a guy that finished what six six last year. He does. He well, never really put it together like to the point where we thought he we, he'd never wrestled up to his capabilities at NCAA's. Well, here's the thing: one, he was only a sophomore last year. Two, as a freshman, he was cutting a ton of weight to make 149. Didn't place, right? Didn't place. So he was cutting a ton of weight to make 149, I do believe. And I mean, because you could tell, Deacon is a big dude. Um, yeah, 149. Yeah. He went 32 and seven, round of 16. Okay. Uh, ha- Wait, last year he took sixth, and last year he took. Six, but he got beat by Caleb Young twice right. in the semis. He basically took the deep six. But we had him last year as being a guy that we thought that could be. So he he's but had this, moments of brilliance. But this is the year. And his match in the finals against Tidley was even more impressive than Carr because he did a couple of things that people struggle to do against Tidley. One, he took him down. Two, Hidley's underhooks, so underhooks were nothing for him. And In addition to that, he was able to ride him a bit. I mean, look, Deacon right now... It's a funky weight, too. I mean, it's not super deep. It's not like we've seen... Well, and honestly... There's a lot of great... There's a lot of great guys, but none of them are like... There's not a ton of All-Americans. Well, that's the thing. The only thing difference about this weight class this year than in previous years is... In previous years, it wasn't super deep, but we had big-name studs at the top. Jason Nolf, Isaiah Martinez, a Joey LaValle type guy, those type of guys. I'm impressed with Deacon right now. Give me the Mothman, baby. if we both picked up, him. If he keeps it up. You know what else was impressive? Which was a fun match to watch. And if you haven't seen it, go back. Third and fourth, David Carr, oh. four to nothing against Coleman. Who who wouldn't be excited about watching those two dudes scrap? Those are the future, right? You know how they say kids are the future? Well, those are kids and they're the future. Which brings me to my next point, kids. Uh, don't smoke crack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't I didn't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Sometimes you say stuff and I'm like, I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> don't don't do it don't do it um all right listen just, just beers yeah let's get to 174 <laughs> come on come on come on you skip 65 well, i guess we talked about we it talked about 65 yeah, we, we just okay. talked about it let's get to 174 um again another weight class with lacking some of that high level star power even though we did have some really good guys in this weight class we here's some all americans there here's the thing we, you're right we had some all americans um Including, you know, Mike Liabriola. Um, I think Stewart was an All American last year. Uh, Skatska. Devin Skatska, obviously. But the guy that won this oh, weight class was an, a Purdue guy, Dylan Lighty, who has always shown, again, another one of those guys that's shown flashes of greatness, a lot of potential, but never really put it together. Come on, round of 12, dude. What are your thoughts on him after this tournament? He's gritty, man. He's gritty. Um, he, he, he doesn't put up points, right? He, I mean, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't put up points at all. Uh, he, he he's your stereotypical 174 pound guy that's extremely hard to score on that has um okay he he doesn't have a lot of um 
how do I say this? He, he, he wins a lot on grit. He's going to have to grind out a lot of grinds. wins. Okay? Yeah, and, he grinds and when, out a lot of wins. I, I don't want to say he doesn't have a lot of talent because he's got more talent. Talented. He's got more talent than the left pinky than I ever had in my entire life. In ter- when we're talking about the top-level guys, he might not as be as talented as all of them, but he I tell you what, out. this guy's a workhorse. He's a worker. I think you put it best. I mean, he didn't score a lot of points. I mean, outside of his first-round match – his second, you know, he, he five to three in the second round, five to three no, in the quarters. Guys. I mean, he, relatively tough guys, obviously. Um, three to one in the semis, and then three to one in the finals. I but think that was his first win over Labriola, too, who he's been battling with. I think he's lost twice in overtime to Labriola before. So, do you think this is the type of tournament that says, "Yep, this is the year that Lighty gets on the weight class or on on the podium," or is this weight class? Is it deep enough to where we have concerns, or he, he gonna get? I think he's gonna get on a podium. Um, that said, I mean, you guys like you got guys like Kimball Bastion who gave him a tough match, Caleb Romero who's still in this, um, and Joey Gunther who somehow is actually having a decent season. Man, that's that's not a bad. Who's who's having who's having a better season than I expected him to? Um, who could all knock him off potentially? But right now, you know, we got him ranked uh, He's fourth, fourth He's in the fourth, country, yeah. and he should be a, a guy that pushes for the podium. He's certainly not going to be a guy that, in, in my opinion, would would push for the finals. The top heavyweight. Uh, aside from rankings, yeah, I think you put it best right there. It's a top heavyweight. I mean, you look, you've got your uh, you got your perennial tough guys: Mark Hall, Jordan Cutler, Michael Kimmer, um, and then obviously, you know, guys like. Labriola, uh, who's got all the potential, um, Stewart, who's been on the podium, Skatska, who is up and down, he's been on the podium. Um, and Heidi finished above all of them. He, he, he so, won this weight. So to answer your question, yeah, I think he does then. You're right. But, but he, he doesn't do it with flashiness, right? Mm-mm. But that's, I'm cool with that. How many times cool with that. last year did we watch Lighty and Ethan Smith wrestle? And Ethan Smith got to his legs, legs so many times, but Lighty just wouldn't let him finish. Right. And Light, always yeah. just won, what, close matches, but even though they were close, was never really in a ton of danger. Like It was like he right. knew he was going to win. Right. Lighty, Lighty was one of those guys last year that we I, I swear to you, we could have penciled him in at the, at the round of 12. But we knew probably that he probably wasn't going to get it done. It's a deep weight last year, too. Yeah, he probably wasn't going to get it done. This year, I think it's thinned out enough. Um, he's going to get it done. And not just because it's thinned out, but because I think he's probably improved a little bit. He's been able to here, – here's his improvement. He's been able to win the close matches that he previously lost. That's a good point. And that is a huge thing. And most of the time, that isn't so much skill as it is mental. To be able to say, I feel like I can actually win these matches. To go into the match and saying, rather than just me knowing that I can keep it close with these guys, I know how to win close matches. And that is a huge skill. That is just as important as knowing how to hit a single leg is to have the mental fortitude to be able to feel comfortable in winning close matches. And what we saw in this tournament is his ability to do that against elite-level guys. So... I feel very comfortable with saying that I think Dylan Lighty is going to be a um, solid uh, three through six type gentleman at the NCAA tournament. You know, something that I'm, I don't know whether I find it concerning or fascinating. Um, Mikey Labriola was one, he was the top, one of the top recruits coming in out of high school, uh, out of Pennsylvania. Um, we wa- we got to see him wrestle at, at Iron yeah, Man. Iron looked Man, fantastic. Yeah. Um, he wrestled Caleb Romero in the uh, the Pittsburgh Classic, the Dapper Dan or whatever it's called now. They had a they had a nice uh, tight two to one battle. But Labriola, you could just tell he just 
little outclassed him a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Last year, Labriola, especially in the beginning of the season and throughout probably the first half, maybe even three quarters of the season, put up a lot of points in matches. He's struggling to do that this year, and it was never as evident as it was in this tournament when, you know, we're talking uh, a 7-5 to five sudden victory win over Skatska. We're talking a 3-1 to one sudden victory loss to Lighty, 7-5 to five over Kimball Bastion, and squeaking by Caleb Romero again 2-1. to one. Is he regressing? No, no, absolutely not. No, I think that there's a little bit of tape on this dude now, and... He's a goer too. As we all as we always say, man, wrestling is hard. It is hard. I, I got a bad back. Yeah, yeah. And I drink wine or whatever. No, I'm a lawyer or whatever. I don't <laughs> care. But no, this Cliff King tournament is hard. He beat Devin Skaska, who's an All American for third and fourth. I mean, you know, he had a tight one with Lighty, who he's beaten before. Do not worry about Labriola too much. We've talked about him before. You know, he hasn't. He he's not regressing. We haven't seen the, we haven't seen a huge jump, to where he's starting to like, um, what is it called? Like kind of like uh, uh, expand or spread the point score, what we would have expected. But I think that he's every bit as good as he was last year, if not better. I, I don't know about better just yet, Ben. I'm going to need to see more. But here's what I will say: I think Lighty is a guy that, as of right now, I feel very comfortable in saying um, I just can't envision him being improved enough to hang with Mark Hall, Jordan Cutler, Michael Kimmer, the top three guys in that weight class. Now, Kim, Cutler beat him earlier in season 4-1, to one, but Cutler has a way of making 4-1 to one matches look look pretty dominating. However... Lighty's not as good as those guys. He's just not as good as a wrestler. I'm talking Labriola. Oh, Labriola. Labriola. Sorry. He's, Labriola's not as good as those guys yet. True. But... After those top three guys, it's it's extremely wide open. So we could see Labriola finish as high as, you know, third or fourth, depending on upsets and the right draw, or as low as, you know, seventh or eighth, or maybe even not not on the podium this year, a la Taylor Vins last year, his teammate. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you're every time you're guessing all Americans, you're, you're doing it without the ability to look at the bracket and also without the ability to realize how. Oh, you're right. We shouldn't pick champs. And no, stuff. no, no, no. What I'm saying <laughs> without the ability to realize how much of a shit show the NCAA tournament is. Um, I would be shocked if Labriola didn't make the podium at this point. The same way I would, you know, I, I think the light is going to. Last question for you on this weight, and I know you've spent quite a quite a bit of time watching him wrestle this year. Talk to me on what you've seen from Caleb Romero from Ohio State going up a weight this year at 174 on his improvement um, and his his approach, his his attacks, um, his. Uh, his preparation um, for these matches, even though right, you know he failed to place at this tournament. Obviously, he lost to Labriola in a very close two to one match, dropped down, and then lost to Skatska. I think one to nothing, so wasn't right. able to place. Um, two, not, those last losses are not bad, and he lost by a combined three to one. Okay, well, but he, but here's the thing: he didn't both speak. both of them showed bottom deficiency. Okay, okay. So but talk to me about on his feet, though. Yeah, on his feet, he he looks like he can compete. Um, with with all of these guys, okay, he he's beaten at Brandon Walmack this year, with, all American, with, with some late takedowns. Um, he he's uh, he, he, here's the thing about Caleb Romero, he's looked a lot better than he did last year. I think that the the weight cut issue was real. He's looked like he's got more energy, he's got more pop in his shots. He's still relying a lot on that blast double. I think he's got a single leg that he doesn't feel comfortable with finishing. 
because I've seen him get in on it a couple times, but he hasn't really finished it as much as you would expect. Typically, this obviously finishing a blast double is easier. It's a lot harder to get in on. He hasn't quite been able to finish his single leg. Why? I think he can go. Go ahead. No, you're talking about his blast double, and you're talking about single legs. And look, I know this is an unfair comparison. Don't compare him to the wrestler. Compare him to the approach and the the tactical and the you know the development. Guys that are so great at blast doubles and so athletic, like Jordan Burroughs, why are these coaches not basically taking a page out of his playbook and training and also developing them to that single leg transition off of a blast double? Guys like Isaiah White, guys right, dropping like to that Caleb single. Romero, you know, you're shooting the blast double, you're missing it, and you're transitioning to a single. Right. Well, I think he can do that. I think it's finishing is the key. In this day and age, with 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 the ability to, sh- I mean, not only is it you have a, sh- you used to just have to deal with a shin wizard. Now you've got to deal with a lot of funk, okay? And he's been un- incapable of kind of advancing his single leg finishes um, to where it would be beneficial. Here's where I, I'll give you, I'll give you two things here. Here's where I'm really excited. You look at his matches; he's not giving up a lot of points at all. I mean, he's giving up very few points very few people are he's hard to score on and he's not giving up right right like we saw that a little bit last year yes yeah head on the mat type stuff he's very hard to score on i think the most points anybody scored on this year were seven and that was because he was kicking them out other than that they've been extremely close matches where he's lost where he lost both of his matches this weekend was his deficiencies on bottom against labriola he went down labriola was able to get a minute and five of riding time he, was able, he wasn't able to get out. He got out, but he gave up that extra five seconds that was the match. And against Skatska, he chose neutral. It, he looked better than both of them on their feet. But it concerns he me. couldn't finish them, it, f- finish the shot. It, it concerns me, and it's a theme well, that's State that we're seeing it. from Ohio State. And, look, I get it. I don't expect these guys, especially guys from Ohio, to come into Ohio State with great bottom skills because that's not the type of state Ohio is in high school. We are a state that um, is all about dominating on our feet with the exception of a few guys that, that are really good on top. And Caleb Romero, let's not get twisted here. He came into Ohio State, and a lot of Buckeye fans had so high hopes and aspirations for him right out the gate because they saw how he dominated high school competition in the Division three level with his four state titles. But Caleb Romero was one of the most athletic kids in all of high school in his four years there. Great football player, great wrestler. The dude had more hair on his face in high school than I probably had hair on my chest when I was 30. You know, I mean, he, he was a oh, man amongst sure. boys, super, super athletic. He can grow a great beard. Maybe we do need to be a little patient with him, and maybe he yes. will continue to develop. You know he kind of reminds me of right now? If you're just looking at the low scores and his type, his ability on his feet, Isaiah White. He reminds me a little bit of Isaiah White. A li- little limited on his feet, you know, with his ability to score on people, but gives up very few points. What he's going to have to learn to do is what we just talked about Lighty. He's going to have to learn to win those close matches rather than lose them. And the one way you have to be able to do it is you've got to be able to get out on bottom. If you, you can't get out on bottom— you're, if you can't get out of bottom, it's tough to win close matches. If you can't ride for time on top Which he can't. with your offense he can't right now. and you can't get out on bottom, you're, you're going to struggle against the really good guys. All right, 184, um, one of the best wrestlers we've ever had the pleasure to watch, um, faces off in the finals against one of the best freshmen 
that's entered in college in a couple of years. <laughs> Zaid Valencia. We remember when we were worried about him. When were we worried about him? <laughs> well, when, when he looked him, flat against Mark Hall? Him and Taylor Vans, that close match. Oh, earlier this year? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's shown that uh, he's good. We said that was going to be a more of a yardstick for Vans than, than Valencia. Right, right. Uh, Zahid's good, guys. Um, I, 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 I don't want to go through and break down a ton of his matches because he looks the same as he always does. But I'll tell you one thing he's did. He, he tech-falled... Uh, Colbre, he beat uh, Louis Dupre. This was Dupre, a great weight class, by the way. Yeah, Louis Dupre, who, who's pretty damn good, 13-4, to four, and then he beat the crap out of one of the hottest wrestlers. The in, guy that just took a bronze at what, juniors? Or yeah, U23? juniors. Yeah, juniors. Who, had, who uh, not only just a couple weeks ago, had beaten Dupre and beaten uh, Ben Darmstadt. Um, and so we, we're thinking, hey, this, come, this might be a match. He disposed of him twelve to four. It wasn't a thing. Zahid Valencia is the dude. He's the dude we all thought he was. I thought that the, the, the I think that the biggest um, um, winner in this weight cl- in this weight class was Hunter Boland from Virginia Tech, who lost in the quarterfinals to Lujan and then beats him for third and fourth. Hunter Boland, who's never ras- who never All American before, like Lujan, finished the, above the likes of uh, Lujan, Vans, Louis Dupre, Darmstad. I'm going to go back. He finished above those guys. I'm going to go back just a bit. Look at the placers in this weight class. we got national champ Valencia, junior world medalist this past summer, Hoagie Hidley. you got a guy coming off red shirt, Hunter Bolin, who has all the talent in the world. Taylor Lujan, who is amazing in his own right, who just had a big win. You, you said that recently. Um, he, he just beat Taylor Vins, right, recently in a duel? Uh, who? Uh, uh, Lujan. Didn't he just beat Vins recently? Or Lujan, yeah, oh, Lujan t- majored Vins. What, oh, was that that wasn't in this tournament, right? No, Luan oh, yeah, Major Vens in the yeah, duel. In yeah. the duel, um, Lu, Taylor Vens, All American, took fourth a couple years ago. Louis Dupre, who had a great season coming out of red shirt last year, uh, barely misses the podium. Ben Darmstadt, Louis Dupre, down who from, beat Vens at this tournament, right? Ben Darmstadt coming down from one ninety seven after missing all of last year with a back injury when he was the number two seed in the, no number two seed in the NCAA tournament at one ninety seven two years ago as a freshman. And then Jelani Embry from Michigan. This was a killer weight class. It was a killer weight class. And the fact that Ben Darmstadt finished seventh is just a, a, shocking a shock to me. To me. I, I don't know why he's up at 184 pounds. Down? Or down at 184 yeah, I, pounds. I, he needs to be at 197, in my opinion. He's already showed that he can be very successful there. But I mean, you got Conti semis of like Luan over Vans, and uh, they wrestled again. Luan beat him 12 to 9, and Hunter Boland beat him to pray 8 to 3. It's, it, it was just. It was pandemonium in this weight class, man. In this weight class, we've said before that this is going to be a very interesting weight class to watch throughout the year because you have the uh, obviously the favorite Zahid, but who's that number two guy in this weight? And is it going to be Trent Hidley doing what his brother did his freshman year, making the finals opposite of Jason Nolf? Or is it going to be somebody else? Who, who are you picking? Who are you picking? Uh, and okay, who who do you think is? I can't say who you're going to pick because who do I bracket. think has the most? Who's the second best guy in the weight? I don't know who the second best guy is in the weight, but I would say that um, Trent Hidley has all the tools. Shit, it might be for, it's Hidley or Bowling. Mental fortitude. Um, he's got the skill. He's got the pedigree. He's been on the big stage before. Um, I'm not ready to pencil in Hunter Bowling just yet. I think um, I still need to see more from him. But I think it would be, in my opinion, Trent Hidley, um, Taylor Venz. 
and then those are probably you got my, Luan, you got Bolin. Honestly, you got guys. those are probably my my two favorites right now. And I only say that. And then a guy like Taylor Lujan could show up and get hot in a moment. But I do. I, I just think very highly of, of Vins and a guy like Hidley. Hunter Bolin is so intriguing because he's so good. But I want to see a little bit more of him. What do you make of freaking um, Ben Darmstadt? So let, let me give you. Let me. Okay. So right now he he finished sixth. As a freshman last year, it was a after medical. being two after being the two seed. Yeah, um, thirteen and four this year with losses to Owen Webster by fall, mm-hmm. which was that was a shocker, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, game. absolutely. Um, Taylor Vans by fall, uh, Trent Hidley seven to five, and Louis Dupre seven to two. Okay, I'll tell you my thoughts on I, him. I, that, that, I'm shocked. I'll tell you my thoughts on him. It, it's this, and um, personally, I think one. I think he may be still dealing with a little bit of rust coming back off a major back. I mean, this is a major back great injury, point. people. Okay? No, that's major. a great point. And back Everybody's injuries, focusing on the weight. Back injuries, they they linger and they they wear you out and they they just drain you so much. Trust me, I I, I'm, I know personally. Um, additionally, look, he is so much taller than the majority of these guys at this weight, and these guys aren't like. 197 these guys are quick with great level changes can get to the legs and can finish quick okay so in addition to that Ben Darmstadt won a lot of matches his freshman year at 197 once he got on top he would go after that assassin it worked a lot and with funk and I think he's going to struggle with that a little bit this year honestly I'd get a little more athletic down here these guys are a little more athletic a little more better multi-dimensional and they are definitely better wrestlers yeah okay um you know who I like um so I, I got the pleasure to watch Trent Hedley, um beat up on Taylor Lujan. I'd never seen so he does this this move. It, it's just a, it's an underhook to a like an ankle. The Hedley boys pick. love the underhook. Yeah, he bangs his underhook into a knee pick, and he was able to get it on Lujan from multiple different positions. One of them being when he was on his knees and Lujan tried to engage, and he just hops up and praying manicism to it. Um, is that scoutable? Yes, but. But I, I think that I think that he's probably good enough to reverse scout that to say, okay, I understand that people are going to start to scout this, so I'm going to set it up different ways. I'm not sure that Trent Hidley isn't the second best wrestler in this weight class. And I think that's, I'm not sure. I, I I think probably overall, Trent Hidley probably is the second best wrestler in this weight class. Um, ben, anything is scoutable, but the guys who are really good, they can still get to their offense. At will, the majority of the time. Um, another guy that I would not sleep on is Nino Bonacorsi because his oh, pace, yeah. he has a pace that can really wear out a lot of guys. He's going to shoot on you. Yeah. So I, I, it's going to be a fun weight class to watch. Um, 197, it was the Colin Moore show, and he continues to look good, better and better every week. Yeah. I, Colin, Colin Moore put it on everybody. The weight class was uh, not extremely inspiring. Um, you know, he had a close one with Cordell Norfleet. I think that might have just been a style contrast. Other than that, he just dominated everybody. And I would expect it for us to continue to see that throughout the year. He tech he tech followed uh, Thomas Lane from Cal Poly who um it, who beat Schultz, uh, a guy that Commerce had a close match with. He tech followed him in three minutes and sixteen seconds. Now, I will tell you this, and I'm not saying he is going to compete with Collimore, but Patrick Brucky from Princeton, who did very well last year, just Just took a loss. No, he just beat the shit out of Dakota Gear. Yeah, and then he lost the um Oh Warner. Okay, okay, you're right. But his match against Gear was very impressive. Right, right. Very impressive. So I, I don't think anybody's going to really – if Colin Moore's head's in it this year, it's his weight class to lose. It finally is. 
You said that Mason Paris really impressed you, so talk to us about it. He's just a dog, dude. Mason Paris is just a dog. I tell you what, I, he, I, okay. No, go. Come on. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. I, I know. I'm burn. I'm burning daylight here. It's no. Okay. It's okay. No. So he 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 beats Tanner Hall in the final six to three. Tanner Hall, who guys who took third before the. What we're asking about, we know Mason Paris is, is an All-American type guy. He didn't do it last year. Right. But we know he's definitely going to you know, be an All-American type guy. The, the question for me is, is, is this dude capable of going with um, Anthony Cassar? That's the question. Because everybody else he's capable of going with. We, we know that. Okay? But is he capable of going with Anthony Cassar? And I think that he has the athletic ability – to do, it, point. to do it. To do it. Because Anthony Kassar is yeah, yeah, he gets his props for athleticism, but he's also a phenomenal wrestler. Okay. And he's very he, very strong guy. Great wrestler, very strong guy, extremely strong. athletic. He's part of that new breed of heavyweights that we're seeing now. Right, right. Mason Paris might be the type of guy that's gonna challenge him. He's not the overbearing two hundred and eighty five pound heavyweight that, you know, uh, Bobby Telford ish. You know, it's a, it's a uh, different guy. Who he got screwed against? Uh, you know, that was uh, that was Stoll last year. No, that, oh that, my the, goodness! All the stuff. <laughs> Stoll versus Paris. Remember that they wrestled. Yeah, and, and Stoll basically pushed him out to the edge. Yeah, yeah. but th- I think the question all year is going to be: Is Mason Paris capable of going with Anthony Cassar? Um, from what I've seen so far, I'd probably say no. Well, I mean, but but I but I'm very impressed with. I mean, how how are you not impressed with the guy that just goes out and beats uh, Tanner Hall in a pretty convincing fashion? Okay, look at look at what Mason Paris has been able to do so far this year. He's fifteen and zero with wins over Matt Stencil. Okay, great win twice. Or- Demetrius Thomas, um, Matt Stencil again. Matt Stencil again. He's beaten Matt Stencil three, oh, three times, times this year. You know he lost to Matt Stencil at All American last year. Right, uh, Demetrius Thomas. I said that another great win. Just beat Tanner Hall. Um, the thing is, is last year I know I don't know how many times they wrestled, but in the last match they wrestled, Kassar majored Paris. I think it was like nineteen to eight, nineteen to seven, something like that. That was probably a lot okay. of takedowns. A lot of takedowns. What I want to see from Kassar, because Kassar is one of those guys who wrestling wasn't his full time thing in high school. He was a phenomenal football player. As Paris, well. I'm sorry, Paris. Yeah, I got you. High yeah, dog. okay, I'm sorry. Um, and last year we saw him. He was kind of one-dimensional on his feet. He's got a great carry, okay? Great carry. Right. But if he doesn't get that carry, what else does he have? And also, it's he very hard. To get, and also, he's struggled against guys, big guys. The big guys. You, you, Conan Jennings. Yes. You put yourself underneath in a carry position against big guys, you're going to struggle. Sam Stoll was a classic example. Sam of that Stoll, thing, so Conan term. Jennings. I mean, dude, how many times did Conan Jennings beat him last year? But I will Holy say this. Shit. Ben, I'll say this, and I'll... Look, you can at me, you can debate me, we can have a conversation. I'll give you my phone number. People what does call at me. me mean? I don't know. Just I don't know. I'm kidding. The kids say it. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, Man, I love doing this podcast. <laughs> you can I, at me. You can at me. Um, at me too. Whatever that means, kids. And I know Anthony Cassiope right now is having a great year as a freshman. Dude okay. is good. He's very good. But the point I'm going to make about Mason Paris, I don't think there. I think Mason Paris. His ceiling is higher than anybody else in this weight class. He's athletic. Mm. He has so much room to grow. He's got so much room to improve. And the guy does not fear anyone or anything on the mat. You're wrong. Okay. Tell me, t- tell me why. The high- I'm talking ceiling. Like, the guy that has the most room to continue to get better and better. Tell me, tell, tell me I'm wrong. Who? Anthony Gassar. That, that dude. No. I'm going to disagree. The guy that- was a national champ last year, and he's going to leave after this year. Yeah, and he might make an Olympic team. Okay. 
Anthony Cassar is freaking legit. I'm talking about a higher ceiling to keep improving on where they are now. Right. How do you know Anthony Cassar isn't going to continue to wrestle? I'm talking. We watched him. I'm talking watched- college. Ben, college. Oh, oh. Is Anthony Cassar's ceiling in college any higher? Mm, yeah, you're right. All right. All right. All right. I, it's, it's hard to debate what you're saying there. Um, look, I, I love Mason Paris. I, I don't think he's at Anthony Cassar's level. That, that, I don't that, think so either. No. I, got ben, I don't think I got he is either. I'm just saying that. What he's done so far this year, Mason Paris, I'm very surprised about and very impressed with. And I think we're going to continue to see still, still see him to get better and better. And you know a match I really want to watch? If Josh Hokett comes back and is at heavyweight, oh. I want to see Josh Hokett and Mason Paris he's back. He's coming back and he's going to be at heavyweight. Right, right. Assuming he comes back that's, as he's expected the... at heavyweight, I want to see Hokett and Mason Paris wrestle. I think it's going to be a fun match. You got to trade me Josh Hokett. I need the heavyweight. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it basically for Cliff Keen. Um, one other thing I want, I want to ask you about. Yeah. Talk to, Austin DeSanto beating Seth Gross. Did you watch the match? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Give me your thoughts. I know we're running a little long like we usually do. We're running a little long like we usually do. My apologies, but we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Tell me about it. Austin DeSanto took him down with two high crotches and a carry, I believe. And um, he just showed that he was able to take down a dude who is extremely tough at taking down. And to the point where at the end of the match or, or kind of towards the middle of the match when Seth Gross, Seth Gross knew he was outclassed at one point. That was the scariest thing. So Seth Gross started gave DeSanto his leg thinking, I've got to engage this dude in a position that I feel comfortable in. And DeSanto just goes and carries him to his back. That's um, it right there. I think, I think that's the, he that part right him. there is – He outclassed him. DeSanto beat Seth Gross – where Seth Gross is supposed to be great at by getting in those funky situations. DeSanto got in on his legs a couple of times, and he didn't really finish super fast, but was still able to. That's the biggest. St- still thing. able to finish. That's the biggest yes. key. It, it, Brandon, you hit the nail on the head. Most people would think, okay, if, if DeSanto doesn't finish with a carry or finish quickly with like a, a high crotch to because he, he doesn't have a double, but a high crotch to a quick double. But no, he was able to, at one point, he got to his high crotch, sat Gross to his hip. Kept moving towards um, kind of counterclockwise uh, on his shot because he's a lefty and was able to finally finish. He was able to finish on Seth Gross when it took time. Most people, if you don't, if you don't finish on Seth Gross within a second, then you're in big trouble. He was able to finish on Seth Gross when it took time. I'm not sure he's he he looks he looks. Like a freaking maniac, dude. Like, he looks like he is out to go this year. And, you know, I think, for one, Seth Gross did something that nobody's been able to do since the NCAA Finals two years ago. And that was, I'm sorry, Austin DeSanto. And that's beat Seth Gross at 133 pounds. Last loss he had at that weight was against Corey Clark in the NCAA Finals. Right. Prior to that, his only other loss at 133 was against your boy Eric Montoya at the Midlands that's that year. right. Oh, that was a crazy match, overtime match. Right. Obviously, he jumped up, took the close loss at 141 against Bryce Meredith. You know, <clears throat> But he goes out and he wins Bill Farrell over Nick Suriano in Tech Falls. Dominating fashion. And then he Tech Falls freaking uh, Nathan Tomasello. You know, Flo put this out, and anybody that follows wrestling could, could have figured this out, but Austin DeSanto has wins over Spencer Lee, state finals high school year. He's beaten Suriano. He's beaten Seth Gross. He's beaten um, uh, 
Michich? Uh, Michich, he beat Michich um, at the Cliff Keen a couple years ago. The thing about Austin DeSanto, and you said, you know, he's out. He's out, you know, to really, uh, you know, something about being a maniac or something. You know, Right, like, like, like he, he is ready to go. He's ready to go. Of all people, <laughs> of all people in this weight class or even in college in general, and I don't mean this as an insult, You've said this to me before, putting. Austin DeSanto is too dumb to know any better. He's not scared of anything. That's what I'm saying. He's not scared of anything. It's funny when you said that about putting, and and, and we'll leave you with this. Brandon Olinger, he just learned how to play golf, and putting is a very tough skill in golf. (laughs) And he would make some crazy putts only because he was too dumb to realize, like, that he shouldn't have tried to go for that putt. And he would, like— putt from an uphill putt of like a huge latitude as fast as he could and somehow hit the back of the hole. And that's the exact same way Austin DeSanto is. He's too dumb to know anybody. I don't I mean I don't I don't mean as dumb in terms of no, like who just, he is, but he just doesn't care. You don't care. You're not even thinking about it. You don't even know any better. And that's what makes him so dangerous. You know, after after DeSanto won that match in convincing fashion over Gross, I, I, you know, uh, Flo posted a, a photo of him on social media. I know Facebook with uh, basically the headline, you know, national champion question mark. And of course they did. People, I mean, people were really one not respecting DeSanto's ability or his wins that he's had, um, and just kind of just it, just really being ignorant about the sport in general and. One guy posted, you know, and I can get it. If you don't think he's going to be a national champ, that's fine. Say no, I don't think he's going to be a national champ. Okay. But one guy from Oklahoma, I, I, I think his name was, you know, Joe Boyer here. Me and him kind of went back and forth on it. And Joe, I appreciated the banter. Um, it, it was fun, um, but I'm going to continue to stand by, uh, by my feelings back what then. What was Joey saying? You're wrong. He said an early season win over an NCAA champ doesn't even put you in the discussion. And For what? For being a national champ? For being in the discussion – as the national no, champ. that's exactly what it does. And, you know, people were kind of, you know, getting on Joe a little bit. And, you know, he, he basically said that, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. I wrestled since I was young. Coach John Smith would always say the same thing, that November, a win in November means nothing. And while that is true, well, yeah, it, it doesn't mean nothing in the grand scheme They don't hand you over the damn medal. But a win over a returning national champion, a guy who hasn't taken many losses in the last couple of years, in – November does put you in the discussion. And me and him kind of got into it a little bit. And he said, I want to hear about you know, this. I, I basically said, you know, Joe, so the number two ranked guy in the country and a returning All-American beats the top ranked guy in the country, and it doesn't even get him in the conversation. And he came back with this. I said, that's a bad take. Brandon, the Dolphins just beat the Eagles. Does that make them Super Bowl champs? Same scenario. Joe, you're wrong. That's not the same scenario. Okay? Well, we're not anointing individuals. No, I, and there were so many other comments like that, and I don't. I mean, I could go on and on about him for days. But guys, DeSanto has a style that can win matches. He's shown the ability to beat the top guys in the country at this weight, including a win over the national champ last year, the national champ two years ago, the guy that was the runner-up two years ago, and many others. Austin DeSanto is a legit title threat. And He's my pick to win it right now. Is wrong. Now, that's where I'm at. I would still, if I'm a betting man, I'm still saying Seth Gross is the you guy who's the favorite. You take him. Okay. He's my pick right now. But I would love to see DeSanto dude, win that. that dude is too dumb to care. And I don't mean that in terms of intellect. I mean that in terms of how much he gives a shit. Do you think he gives a shit about what somebody says about him? That guy is a freaking nut. And he's going to 
carry you to your back, but he also has got a, a different. Now, now we're going to get technical. He's got some differentiated attacks this year. He does. We haven't seen in a while. And he's got that pace. Guys. Probably the highest pace in all of college. Now, Washington going to mess some dudes up this year, and I want him to win it. You know what's most impressive about that victory against Gross? He kept his cool. The sportsmanship he clothed showed throughout the match and after the match was over. That's right. That's the growth that we've seen from DeSanto, and that's what makes him so dangerous. Yeah. And that's all we got for you today, folks. Patty Gallagher commits to Ohio State, baby. Oh, Patrick. The luck of the Irish, baby. I'm pretty pumped about that. I am pumped. All right. The Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 106. Six. All right, we'll go with that. That's all we got for you guys. As always, thank you for listening in. Don't wind up on your backs, bros.